You are listening to The Game Plan on the official Raiders Podcast Network. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Great to catch up with Mark Patterson again. He's getting ready for an amazing moment in his life, and he's kind enough to give us a few minutes, the former wide receiver from the Silver and Black. And, Mark, I saw your amazing sunset that you tweeted out four hours ago uh-huh. before you head for Katmandu. Thanks for coming on Raider Nation Radio. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, JT. Thank you so much for having me. And, yeah, I did come out of uh, the mountains in, in Sun Valley, Idaho, and down to the beach to get some fresh air. Tell me where you are in your training, your preparation for the climb. Tell everybody who's not familiar with what you're about to do how big this challenge is. It's a monster challenge, you know. Um, I was, I was uh, well, actually, if we go back about, you know, eight, nine years, um, I set out many years ago to become the first NFL player to ever climb the seven summits. The seven summits are the seven highest peaks on each continent. I've done six out of the seven. And then last year, uh, like a lot of people, um, I was set to go to Mount Everest and finish, you know, number seven, and the whole world blew up due to COVID. And so essentially I've been training for two years now, hardcore, twice a day. I live in Sun Valley, Idaho, uh, train, do CrossFit in the morning, and then usually run up the mountain um, every night. And, um, you know, so it's been – it's been an amazing experience, and, you know, sure, I was disappointed last year, but, but now, you know, where I sit, it actually turned out to be a great opportunity. Yeah, I'm, I'm Mark Patterson's our guest. I want to ask you, is that something that maybe in the long run benefited you? You were obviously ready when we talked last year, but now having the extra extra preparation for Everest, what have you learned about this journey? Well, a lot of things. You know, number one, I'm bigger, faster, stronger. I'm, hopefully I'm smarter. I, I study YouTube uh, videos on Everest um, like I used to study opponents you know before we're going to play that's number one number two it gave me another opportunity to raise more money um for my uh it's not for her directly but my daughter who has epilepsy um i partnered with a foundation called higher ground and we've raised over fifty thousand dollars and i'll add that the raiders the las vegas raiders also donated to that great cause called amelia's everest Deloti challenge um Mm-hmm. And the NFL has a social grant, and they also donated. So very blessed around that. And at the end of the day, um, uh, something that just recently fell into my lap, the NFL um, has decided to do a film, a documentary on this whole journey. And so they flew out to Sun Valley uh, about 14 days ago, and they've been filming. And that's been quite the experience. They also interviewed Jim Mora Jr., uh, who I train with quite a bit. And there's, I think, the most uh, prominent a mountaineer, American mountaineer that we have, a guy named Ed Beaster, so they also interviewed him. Mark Patterson's our guest about to climb Mount Everest, and tell me about when you dream at night and close your eyes about the challenge of this summit and what's going to be different for you because early on, and I've seen documentaries on this, and we've talked about the positives of doing something that is so dangerous what is the part of your ascent that concerns you most, especially this time of year? I have no idea what the weather is like and the challenges in this month compared to other times of year. Yeah, there's a lot of things there. Well, you know, you talked about what what did I see as, you know, the opportunity when the world shut down and I got bigger, faster, stronger. I also did something that no – well, actually, I'll be the oldest guy if I can actually pull this thing off, the first NFL player to do it, and the oldest guy to do it, and that is – not only climb Mount Everest, which is the highest mountain in the world, we all know that, but come back down to the death zone at 26,000 feet where I'll have a tent, climb in there for a couple of hours, and then go up the other side, Lhotse, which is the fourth highest mountain in the world, 
And so to do that all within 24 hours is going to be a monster challenge. You know, when you get in those types of environments, super harsh, um, very cold, minus 40, all those things, uh, you really have to figure out a way to keep your mind in the game because most accidents uh, occur coming down the mountain. You're so fatigued. You've been climbing all night long, and now you've got to, like, gather the, the, the strength, especially on Lhotse. Um, you know, I'll be up all night for a second night in a row, um, and you got to come down a very, very probably 45-degree uh, steep uh, ice wall. And um, you just got to make sure that, that you got everything together in order to pull that off. Mark Patterson joins us at Mark Patterson NFL. Follow him on Twitter. Follow this journey. Uh, let's talk more about when you get there. So what is the flight like? What is it like to get your body and mind ready to the time zone? The village. I always see the villagers around that community of Everest and how they're so positive and the Zen they have to want you want to make you have a victory, a victory of a lifetime. Tell me about that part of the journey. Um, well, I think the first thing that if we, if we kind of back into it uh, to your question, um, I it was actually just uh, right before you called me, uh, Steve Berline, Raider great had uh, mm-hmm. buzzed me up to wish me good wishes. And he goes, he thought I was coming back in a week or two. <laughs> You know, well, let's have a beer and celebrate. And I go, listen, I'm not going to be back until June. And he's like, what the hell are you doing until June? And and there's a couple things. Number one, when you land in Kathmandu, uh, which is the capital city there in, in Nepal, um, we'll hang out for a few days, and then we'll we'll begin the trek uh, around the 7th of April. Um, we're going from 7,500 feet, and, and we have to climb. It's really a trek, not a climb, but trek about 40 miles, up to 17,500 feet. So from, from, for those people that are familiar with the great state of Washington, Mount Rainier, it's 3,000 feet higher than that mountain, which is pretty tall. Mm-hmm. So I'll be living there for 30 days. And one of the reasons why I have to do that and why I'm on Mount Everest for such a long time is because right now there's a monsoon in the jet stream blowing um, around 200 miles per hour. And so you can't have safe passage to get up and get down safely. So for, for two weeks, roughly, it's not exact science, but for two weeks, during the spring, two weeks during the fall, this jet stream, this monsoon, this crazy weather lifts and allows, relatively speaking, safe passage so you can actually make an attempt to go. That crazy line, JT, that we saw a couple years ago with all that backup, that turned out to be that the jet stream only, or that the monsoon only rose for two days, and so everybody got summit fever, and it was overcrowded to start with, and that's where you saw that big lineup. So this year I'm hoping... I'm told that there's 150 less people and that there'll be a much larger uh, weather window to actually go and pursue this. Mark Patterson's our guest as we wrap it up. Trying to become the first NFL player to climb the seven summits with Everest and Lotsey left, and he's embarking on his journey. And I cannot believe he made time for us because this is a moment in your life. And the wait, as we talked about COVID, was a really big deal. And I hope it's just going to help you and be such a, a pleasant experience because it's so difficult. Your mind, as a motivational speaker and one of the better ones in the country, have you been speaking about this more and more? Or are you waiting for the accomplishment first to get your head wrapped around the next stage of your career talking about this milestone? Yeah, well, you know, I work for Sports Illustrated, and in terms of, of public speaking, that whole world pretty much shut down, right? Yeah. Because that, you know, really means public gatherings and all those things, and we all know what happened with that. And so, you know, look, it, it, everything has a certain timing and a pace to it, and 
and I, I have to have a lot of things go right beyond just me being physically ready. Mother Nature has to play a big-ass role um, for me to actually grant me safe passage to get up and get down um, in the right way. I, I've been training crazy. I think I'm with the right guide. Um, but that's no different from having a great football team like the Raiders have been in the past, right? You have the great quarterback and offensive coordinator and line and wide receivers and defense and all those things, and everybody has to be you know, rowing in the same direction for uh, something great to happen. And, and, and so I've got my fingers crossed, and some of this is skill and some of it certainly is luck. How can we follow your journey along the way? What's the best way to do it? Yeah, anybody can follow me. My, my handle is Mark Patterson NFL, so you can go to my website. I think you mentioned it before, www.markpattersonnfl dot com or if you go to instagram or one of those other twitter uh, mark pat at mark patterson nfl and you got it well i'm wishing you nothing but the greatest blessings in life what you're about to accomplish and i know you're going to do it will put you on a different platform from all the greats before you that are doing this and are climbers and i know you're going to pull it off and uh i i really thank you mark for thinking of us it timed out perfectly have a safe trip and we'll be following the journey and giving updates here i appreciate it i really want to come back in june and we need to have a follow-up to this conversation okay can you promise me that not only will we do that we'll have you in studio or we'll do it somewhere big and we'll do it in the tv studio or i'll make sure that the raiders and i'll ask them for that platform so we can do this in a really special place and uh, i know you're going to do it and my thoughts are with you. Good luck, Mark. Thank you. Thank you so much, JT. Touchdown, Las Vegas. Since starting Allegiant some 20 years ago, we've flown more than 100 million people to be with those they love. We're pilots, flight attendants, and technicians. But we're also parents, spouses, and neighbors. And just like you, we're excited to reconnect with the people and places that matter most. That's why we're going the distance for health and safety, on the ground and in the air. Because the further we go now, the safer it'll be to go farther tomorrow. Allegiant, the official airline of the Las Vegas Raiders. Low fares, nonstop flights, only at Allegiant.com. Thrilled to talk to Steve Sylvester. Joins us once a Raider, always a Raider. Steve, pleasure to talk to you again. Thanks so much for coming on. How you been? I've been great, JT. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on the show. How often are you asked about your three rings? I mentioned before you came on, Cliff, I saw Cliff Branch use you as the trivia question for the Raiders who have the three rings and played on all the three teams. Do you still enjoy that when you hear those stories about Cliff? Well, of course. I mean, God, Cliff was great. What a great receiver he was. What a great team player he was. Man, I'm sorry he's gone, but uh, his legacy uh, will live forever, obviously. And uh, his three rings, and I was so fortunate to be a part of those teams, such great players. And uh, uh, such, such a great opportunity. And, uh, yeah, I get asked about it a lot. Steve, what I find amazing, David Hum used to talk to me about that all the time, too, and bring you up. And, you know, I'm in Vegas and Hummer, and you know the role he has here. And I, I believe in fate. Fate in my life, your life, and everybody's. But when you get picked 259 overall, if you get picked by the Bengals or the Rams or the Lions, your whole story is completely different. And I'm sure you would have been a successful football player. But talk about the journey of you coming out of Notre Dame and how you became a Raider and what was so unique about your draft process. Well, I mean, it's a long story, and we don't have that much time, but I'll just tell you that uh, it was my great fortune to be drafted by the Raiders. And uh, obviously, Ron Wolf. I've talked to Ron about it post uh, my career and a little bit to Mr. Davis uh, about you know why and what. But Dave Casper actually had a lot to do with that. He, he actually put – I played with Dave in college. He was a year ahead of me, 
and uh, Ghost and I roomed together on the road uh, with the Raiders one year and then also one year in uh, at Notre Dame. So he helped a lot, too, put in a good word for me. And, and things fell into place when I got to camp. And, and there were a series of events that happened. And Jim Otto, who I love Jim Otto so much, couldn't get through training camp that year. And they needed a center, JT. They needed a backup center because J- Pops had re- Pops Otto had basically, um, I mean, he tried and tried and tried, but he couldn't fight through that last knee injury. And uh, I had never played center before, and they tried all the rookies in camp at center and some of the veterans, and, and I guess they liked what I, uh, what I did. And I was fortunate to uh, make my way onto the roster that first year, which was 1975 as a center. And um, so, yeah, really lucky, really incredible series of events. And a, and a nine-year career, which was very, very, very lucky and uh, very blessed. Dave Sylvester joins us. It was more than luck. It was grit and determination. And you mentioned Pops. When it comes to Jim Otto and an AFL legend and a Hall of Famer, and he, it seemed like he waited, he kept playing to hold on, to hold on, all of those high big losses in championship games, and he misses out on the Super Bowl victory. And then your career, you come in at the perfect time and catch all three rings, but along the way, Steve, there was still some high-profile losses and big games. But was the big storyline, you were always in monster regular season games in practice and preparation for, going to the playoffs, playing in Super Bowls, winning Super Bowls. You were in the greatest era in the history of the Silver and Black. I don't think there's I, – I, I never could uh, – I tell people I play with the greatest players and the greatest games that, that, that I think ever were. In, yeah. in the National Football League, certainly during that era. And, uh, yeah, I was uh, – what great players that I had the opportunity to be on the same team with. And you mentioned Jim Otto, and I, oh, I mentioned him first, and you mentioned him again. I mean, I often think, I mean, Jim Otto, were 15 years with the Raiders, never missed a game, and never never won a Super Bowl. And uh, here I was, you know, because Jim Otto couldn't get through training camp that year. And, God, I love Jim so much, and what a great mm-hmm. player he was, Hall of Famer, obviously. And, and I was the one uh, that, 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 that obviously made the team and, and came after Jim as a backup, as a backup, not as a starter. But, uh, yeah, I often think about that. And I wrote Jim a letter, and I, I visited Jim a year ago out and out in California, and I think the world of him. But, yeah, I played during an incredible, incredible era for the Raiders. It, it truly is a great story. Steve Sylvester joins us, three-time Super Bowl champ. All right, a couple of things. We'll go a little bit quicker here because i got a lot to get into. What was sure. it like practicing and playing with Upshaw and Shell? Uh, they were the consummate pros. I mean, uh, Art Shell is one of the best offensive tackles that ever lived, um, and he was a quiet leader. I mean, when, out, when, when Art spoke, everybody listened. And Art just got the job done. Gene, on the other hand, he was a mouthpiece for the organization. I love Gene. Gene was the greatest leader, the greatest leader on a football field that I've ever been around. And Gene was not only a great leader, but a great player. He and, he and Al Davis, I mean, Gene uh, was the eyes and ears for Al Davis on the football team. And, and that had a lot to do with, with all those Super Bowl, uh, those Super Bowl uh, wins, those AFC Championship games, Gene Upshaw and Al Davis. And those two guys, Art and uh, Gene, were incredible. Great players. Steve Sylvester is our guest. All right, I want to ask you about Madden and Flores. 
Uh, was it true, everything that John Madden said, play like hell on Sundays, practicing? You got Ted Hendricks coming in on a horse. You have some of the biggest cast of characters in the history. I'm talking from your first Super Bowl to the last Super Bowl that you won. How did Madden, and especially Flores when he took over as head coach, how did he deal with the parties, the characters, the preparation, and keep you guys all on the same page? Yeah, you know, you know there are two – Totally different coaches. I mean, John. John. Uh, I mean, he was uh, he was a tough coach. He was a fair coach. Um, he was very vocal. Really smart. His number one thing: he knew players. He knew how to get the best out of players. And John kept guys in line. He kept guys in line because everyone respected him. And uh, he, he was he was the best. I'll tell you, Tom Flores. During the time that he was with the Raiders, I mean. Tom was a real intelligent, not that John wasn't, but uh, Tom was real intelligent. He was a very quiet leader. Uh, he, um, he, he actually kept people in line to finding them if they got in trouble. Okay, they got out of line. Tom was a quiet leader, but everybody respected Tom, too. And two Super Bowls from Tom, who could have been more lucky? I mean, what a, what a great guy and a great offensive mind and allowed his defensive uh, coaches to kind of do their thing on defense. And uh, Al Davis? Um, and and uh, Ron Wolf, they brought in the players, and uh, that's a, a great combination. Steve Sylvester, as we wrap it up, let's talk about the fans and what these fans mean to you from Oakland to Los Angeles. Notre Dame, Steve. I mean, I didn't get get a chance to get into that deep with you. You played at Notre Dame in front of Touchdown Jesus, the Grotto, the big games there. All the fans you've interacted throughout your life, what did the fans mean to you? Oh, everything. I mean, it, it was so exciting. I mean, this past year with the virus, I mean, it's really sad to watch teams play and very few, if any, fans in the stands. But the Raider fans, I mean, they were unbelievable. I asked a guy one time, I said, you know, you know, the tickets were $20 a piece. I said, have you ever thought about ever selling one of your, one of your tickets for a game? And, and, and he looked at me and said, are you crazy? That was part of our family. It was, it, was, it was our entire week. It was our entire year. We'd never sell a ticket to anybody else. The fans were unbelievable in Oakland. I know Las Vegas fans, they'll, they'll be the same way. And uh, Notre Dame was, was, was incredible, too. I mean, really great fans. And it's fun to play in front of people. There's nothing like people. All right, Steve, the big one. Where do you keep the rings? You're one of the few who have three rings. Where do you keep them? Do you put all three of them on? Where are the rings? And uh, tell me about what you do and when you look at them. No, I, you know, I keep them in a safety deposit box at, at, a, at a local bank. And uh, if somebody asks to see them, I obviously bring them out and show them to them. But I don't. I, I don't wear any jewelry, JT. That's mm-hmm. just me. I, I don't wear a wedding ring. I don't. I've been married 45 years. I just don't wear jewelry. But you know, I'm really proud of the rings. I mean, but the memories are everything. I mean, the rings are something. They're they're a great thing. But you know, I think about the players. I think about the players. I think about Al Davis. I think about John Madden and Tom Flores. I think about Al Davis. I mean, I think about the fan. Think about all of that. Those memories. They can never take that away from, from anybody, and they certainly can't take them away from me. The rings are a symbol of, of, of all of that. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're great. And uh, one, I have three daughters, and uh, upon my passing, each one will get a ring, and um, you know, which would be really nice. So humble. Uh, Steve, finally a comment on Mark Davis and his vision here in Vegas. I can't wait for you to see the stadium. It will blow you away. 
when you're coming back well, as a, an alumni? And what do you think Mark is doing, especially the legacy from Mr. and Mrs. Davis to his vision here in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium? Well, Mark obviously has, has hired a really great football mind, a great football man, and that's in John. John brings a culture to the team and a real fighting culture. Um, and, and, and you know what? They're going to win. They're going to win. And Mark's smart enough to know that a guy like John, let him make those decisions football-wise. And that's pretty much what I see that's going on. I'm only looking from the outside, not the inside. But they're going to get there. They're going to get there. And I hope that everybody's a little bit patient. It takes a long time to rebuild a team. But they're close. They're really close. And they're going to get there. And uh, John Gruden, I mean, obviously when you see them play, they play hard. They play the last second. And uh, it's really great to watch. It'll be great when they start winning. Rating at a high level and consistently at a high level. It's going to be great. Thank you, Steve. Once a Raider, always a Raider. It's a high honor to talk to you, and I really appreciate it. I hope to see you very soon as the stadium opens up. We get things going in Vegas. Best to you and your family. Good luck to you, JT. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to The Game Plan on the official Raiders Podcast Network.